What's up, Relay? This is Peter Bromka, and we're so happy to have you back. I am on with Lindsay Hine, Tommy Runs, and Matt Chittum, and we got so much to cover. Tommy, um, well, we're going to cover TRE, we're going to cover CIM, but I want to hear, for those of us who are on watching the live stream, uh, we took in so much of, um, honestly, a lot of your jokes. There were some highlights. I assume there were some lowlights. I... <laughs> But how was it for you? My, uh, I can, I can, I will get to the things I appreciated the most and that each of us appreciated. But what was it like being on for that many hours straight? No, it was really, it was, it was tiring for sure. Um, I thought it was going to be a little easier than it turned out to be, like energy wise. I mm. thought, I mean, because what we did was we did um, uh, like 10 o'clock or 10 a.m. to maybe 12 ish and then took an hour and a half break and then got back on from two to four. So I figured like two hour blocks back to back, you know, interviews shouldn't be an issue. Like I talk on the phone all day for work or whatever. So I just, (laughs) but it was like just the level of engagement it took to like, to, to keep the conversation going with multiple different people, switching gears, talking about different products and different companies and not saying other companies' names, (laughs) you know, like, how do you, how do you mean? Like, you know, you're talking to like Nike and you say like, Oh, these, Reebok's crushing it right now. You know, like, you don't want to like, oh, randomly not the wrong name. Yeah, yeah. Wrong company name or something like that. Um, because, it, or like, it just, it was a lot, but it was really fun though. It was, the, the energy was high. Um, it was great. It, I, I think that it was a bunch of highlights we had, you know, I think Kelvin Kipton was probably the highest of the highlights. Yeah. Um, be, just because of like who he, who he is and what he just did. And um, having like Alpha Fly 3 be kind of, us be part of some type of launch or at least uh um the exposure that was uh was was done that day for the shoe um and i mean there were there weren't really low light any low lights you know um no what about, that, what about that, mike that looking all, behind well mike looking okay, underneath the table that seemed to be a that low was, light of, of some sort no, that was the highlight so yeah so for those <laughs> those of you listening or watching so like mike uh, we had kafuzi on the show uh he was the second to last um guest of the whole thing for us you know like he was guest number like 31 or something like that at that point and so he like looks under the desk and it's got like you know (laughs) remnants of the day you know (laughs) it was like a couple little you know um ketone iq shots under there or something like that and i mean we were just like you know you're on there for like two hours like you're not just gonna set your drink on the thing you just kind of toss it under the bottom um (laughs) And everybody was fine until, you know, Kafuzi gets up there and then he had to point it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, w- I mean, I almost think I commented, you posted this video of you and Kelvin on the live stream as one of your reels. Yeah. And I commented on it because if someone was to say to me, like, what's Tommy runs about? Like, what makes, I mean, this is going to be, I feel almost awkward how glowing this is going to be. But if someone was going right, to say, uh, like, hold on, let me, let me hit record twice here so I can get all of it. <laughs> But if Daniel, gonna be Daniel like, let's make this a social breakout. Put on, put on the, put on the Instagram camera. Yeah, break out this session, please. Go ahead, Peter. What do you think about Tommy? Runs? Like, if someone was to say, like, "What's Tommy about? What's his energy like?" I'd be like, "Tommy somehow is the type of guy who could pull off complimenting the world record holder about his marathon, like, or like encouraging him, like, this is going well, man. Don't, don't give it up. Stick with it.' And it like doesn't yeah. come off like the." Like so wrong. I, I feel like it like, was like a Boston accent, though. What was that? No, accent? oh, yeah, it was just so genuine. You were like, 
hey man, stick with it. I know it's hard, but like, you're going to be, this is going to work out for you. And I'm like, as the man who has only ever run below 202 and has the world record, you know, like he's only run three marathons. He can, he might give it up. And they're like, no, no, no. I, I really think you should stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he, he said he just wants to run fast or something like that. And I was like, Hey, you're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. You're doing a good job. I'm like, let me speak to you as someone who's and, once and had I didn't his even, own comeback to her. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even a hundred percent sure. I wasn't even really sure if he had teeth until that point, you know, cause like he doesn't like, he doesn't smile that much, you know, like in like show many, like much expression really, you know, yeah. even except like right after you, I mean, obviously I'm joking after you went to Chicago, he was like ear to ear smile. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. No, no. It's but good. like, he like had a la like he laughed a couple of times and that was an interesting interview because like, you know, he's a, he's a softer spoken guy. Like, and I mean, obviously like English isn't his first language. So he just doesn't, they kept warning us like, Hey, just, you know, he just, no, he's not like, he's not like professional at this part of it yet. So just, yeah. and if you look back at the end, at that interview, like I didn't, we didn't ask him a question for maybe three, four minutes. Like he just sat, like we just kind of let him sit there for a bit. And then we did the jokes about with the other guy, you know, with Brett and let him get comfortable. So it actually worked out pretty decent. It's like, I mean, I ought to say I was impressed. Oh, I was excited because when you were like, uh, you were like, I can't quite say yet who's going to be on. And I'm just thinking like, you don't understand how bored I am by about 95% of the people you could have on. Like I was like, <laughs> I was just preparing myself for one of those, like, don't come off as di too disingenuous when you go, Oh, yeah. cool. You're having, yeah. um, uh, huh. Um, okay, cool. And that's awesome. not to say that you pro runners, we are happy to have you on. And as you know, we, we have like chat with a pro and we try to keep it fun. I was wondering, Tommy, how you're going to handle the Calvin Kipton interview? Just because you're a really funny guy, you love to bring humor yeah, to these I, exchanges. Can we stop there? I am really funny. Like I don't think that people understand, like how funny I am. People don't understand how funny you are. That's a great point. Yeah. So I want to I want to add on to that, Tommy. But like your humor, I feel like oftentimes is at its best with like silence. And pause, uh -huh. right? Like uh -huh. the gap between the notes is what makes your humor what it is. Yeah. And as awesome as I find it to be, I can imagine someone whose English is second language wouldn't yeah. quite be able to pick up on it. Yeah. So I was wondering if you were gonna have bring the full Tommy Runs experience to the interview, knowing that like I might you might bring out something hilarious, but it might he might miss it because he just again, it's not his first language. So it might it might be tough for him not to understand like that extra beat of silence is meant to be sarcasm. Yeah, well, I think you know, the, the the you're doing a good job part was as as far as I was gonna go, um, and he got and he got that landed well with him. So um, I definitely wasn't gonna like. And then just with it being the company that it is, I didn't want to get too you know willy nilly with the jokes. Um, after he got off of the off of off air, you'll hear that I looked at Gary and said, you know, I think it's official. We uh, Calvin Kipton is not AI because I touched his arm. <laughs> um, you know, so like that, you know, like I had to wait to get the funnies off after that. Cause I, you know, you want to get canceled by the old swoosh. You know what I mean? Everyone listening should know that Matt just launched a joke and you're saved from having to live through it again. Um, yeah. Please, please leave that part in. Um, I mean, but, well, you make, yeah, sorry, you go. No, no, it was great. It was a really great experience. Um, uh, you know what? Now that you're at, now that we're talking about the highlight was that, but then I know you mentioned it and I said it was a highlight too, but I was kind of being like, you know, in defense of like my pain. Yeah. Like Mike coming on there showing the behind the scenes under the desk was hurtful. 
you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was I wanted people that. to now know what was going on. I have a question. There were like, I looked up the speaker list. There were like 900,000 speakers there. Um, what, here, here's a little like behind the running influencer. What's your series called, Mike and Tommy? What's that called? That I think name? that's what it's called. Whatever it's okay, called. That's, yeah, what that's what it's called. called. Yeah. Um, I know, Tommy, you were there doing like the, you know, the live stream and you pitched that and all that. But like for most of those speakers, are they being brought out there by TRE, by a brand, by their running store? Is someone paying most of them to be there? And if so, who's paying them? Which speakers? Like, like just the, I, the speakers throughout the event? Yes, because I click, I saw oh. something. I started following so, them because of you, Tommy, because I was like, oh, I want to see, check out the live stream. And then I was like, they posted some speakers and there was like eight people. And then I clicked on the list and it was very long. So I'm just yeah, curious so if, you think, guys, if you guys have insight on that. I think uh, Mike may have some some deeper insight on that, but from from my knowledge, it, it's kind of all of the above what you mentioned. You know, I think that some people are there with their retail, with their stores. Some people are there with their brands. Some people are hired by brands to come moderate certain panels, um, and then some of the bigger speakers, like on the big stage, I believe that they would be um, they have a a budget for them to. Uh, TRE probably has a budget for them to speak as well. So I think it's all of the above. I mean, a lot of the speakers uh, for like the breakout sessions probably aren't getting paid. Okay. I would assume. I mean, because it's like more of an educational thing. You're kind of doing it to increase the brand and all that stuff. Um, So it's really everything. It's kind of all over the place, actually. Yeah, I think think that's pretty much spot on. I would say anyone that's like a keynote speaker um, is going to be... Uh, someone that's paid by TRE. Everything else, people might be getting paid, but they're not be getting paid by TRE is what I would assume. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of it, it might be part of their job um, that they're being brought down there or might be something that they want to have. Like for me, I'd like to do more public speaking. And so there's an incentive for me to do that. I also enjoy public speaking. And so it's something I like doing. So I could be a variety of motivations, but I think that only like, the way top list are getting paid to be there. Okay, by TRE, got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a complex event. I went once and didn't feel like I fully got it. I think, Mike, <laughs> I love I mean, and everyone's experienced it differently. Mike, I heard you on your live stream the other day say, like, you'd like to switch it up and, you know, maybe approach it slightly differently, which for me, only seeing part of what you did, I'm like, oh, I don't even know exactly what he means. I've seen his reels. I've seen some of his highlights, but I'm you know, don't even know what he would want to change. Um, seems like it was a success. So like, there's just so many people coming at it from so many different ways. And uh, what I loved was like, we're all hovering and the retailers and the brands are having like really serious drag out, drawn out meetings about product and like so many uh-huh. numbers. And they, they come down out of the elevator, like exhausted having, <laughs> it sounds so like, like what went on up there you know it's a bit but they're just like really making some hard calls for the year ahead and so it's it's so much involved um tommy i was curious how you approach like you had you know m- people launching marquee shoes you had socks you had like nutrition like how did you think about how to bring these all up to like an interesting level um i think everybody i think i just approached it individually and i think each company has their their audience, um, so just provided space for them to to share parts of the story. Um, 
history of the company, uh, jump right to product if they want to, but just make sure it was Gary and I asked questions that we thought that we wanted to know. In turn, hopefully the person watching that's also maybe a runner would want to know as well. So just keeping it like open conversation, we kind of let everybody know like this, we don't want this to be a straight up commercial for the brand. Obviously we want you to get the value of it, but mm -hmm. we don't want some, you know, we don't want people at home thinking that they're just watching, you know, back-to-back -back commercials. Mm. Um, so it was just, just keeping it open, listening to what they're saying and, and finding little spots to say like a light joke or something like that to remind them that this is for, this is a fun thing, you know, and a good way to, because one thing that I, that I even said to somebody like at a brand that I, after I said it, I was kind of like, <laughs> that could, that could be an insult. Um, you just don't most a lot of brands don't have the opportunity to have personality mm -hmm. um because everything is either is either like a post that's about a shoe or something that's very like structured and it's they have a brand but not necessarily a personality so this was an opportunity to send the right person to speak for your brand so then maybe someone can feel more of like a a, a human connection with like say a Saucony or whoever um, as opposed to just looking online and or on Instagram to see what shoe that they're pushing, you know? So yeah, yeah. we tried to lean into that personal aspect of it. Well, shout out to Gary. I mean, it's going it to reveal me for not having listened to enough PR project stuff, but I really liked his energy. And I obviously it's, it's like, oh, of course, Tommy, you know, would team up with people who a have good energy and b you know, compliment you well, like two, two Tommy's talking over each other would have been like, oh, so intense. And, yeah, too yeah, much yeah. so yeah it's yeah. good um yeah wait i wanted to fun fact i think i messaged you this brett schoolmeister who uh is an acquaintance of mine from nike who came on the show with kelvin um yeah. he is actually the world record holder for the 100 miles and 100 beers in a week yeah. he did say that he did he, say uh, that. he competed he completed all of his 100 miles below six minute pace who has the better world record on the stage, him or Kiptum? <laughs> That's, I think, probably him for sure. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, I witnessed the end of it, and I had seen him earlier in the week, and just like hearing about. And he also had like two kids, two or three kids at the time. Like how to how to slot in. There's a lot. It's like a deep conversation. He, he should go on the Beer Mile podcast. Like how to slot in a hundred beers and a hundred miles within a week is just kind of melts your brain. But nothing aside. It's like, That's are ridiculous. you better off being a good runner getting into drinking, or are you better off being, a, you know, a pretty good drinker getting into getting running? Into running, yeah. I think it's, it's, I don't know, man. That's crazy. That's <laughs> a good nuts. question. We should poll that. Yeah. Um. All right. I gotta ask, Mike. I, I want to ask you. I remember a couple of years ago, there was like this. At least it felt like there was this really strict embargo around anything that happened at TRE. It was mm. like media members are welcome as long as you don't share any media. It was like this kind of like this odd thing. It's like so many shoes were like embargoed. And, you know, I remember, you know, there's a lot of people talking about how like if someone, someone like broke the embargo and would show a shoe, especially maybe like a European YouTuber would do something like that. And then like some other people like would not sure how to handle that. Cause like, wait, do I show the shoe or not? How have things changed? Cause it felt like this year, especially it was like, please show our shoes on all of your channels if you can. Like, it was like this explosion of media around all of the shoes, as opposed to, I felt like just three years ago, it was kind of the opposite. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was quite so strict. Um, but I would say that over the years, there's been a learning curve in terms of, like, how do we communicate with each other what everyone is trying to do here? 
I mean, ultimately, we're all on the same team. We're excited about running shoes and we can't wait to talk about them. Right. But like, on the other hand, I understand that brands want to be able to control that message a little bit. And I talked a lot about that in my my video recap that I made from the event. But ultimately, like, I get it. You know, like there are some shoes like there's been no embargo on the shoe still doesn't come out for a good another four months. But I've seen it for like eight and I'm just like, not, not, it's exciting, but it's also a little less exciting because it's been floating around for a really long time. You know, so like, I can understand why a brand would want to be able to control that message a little bit. And now we're realizing altogether that like, you know, just because we see it doesn't always mean we get to show it right away. I mean, you could, you certainly could. You're just not going to get invited back. Mm. You know, so like, do you want to... Is that just understood? Yeah, I mean, you're, we have to request media credentials. And so, like, if you want your request approved next year, you gotta, you can't have a bad reputation. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't poop where you eat kind of thing. Mm. So, like, Gross. that's one. And also, like, for someone that really wants to be in, like, the business of being in the media, like, you need to have good working relationships with mm -hmm. the brands, too. So it's like, if someone's like, oh, that guy, he makes my life hard. You're not going to get invited to stuff. You're not going to be the first one that they call for, you know, like when they have information that they want to share. And so it's kind of like, you know, you have to cultivate your relationships, um, one, on a human level, but two, on a professional level as well. You know, like, just don't don't be a jerk about it. And so that's kind of how it's evolved. But now we're understanding more. And so we're becoming more explicit. Before it used to be my approach was, unless you tell me it's under embargo, I'm going to assume it's not. Mm. That's on you to tell me. My job here is to show what's here, right? I came to TRE. Um, and now I'm just like, wait, hold on. Before we start talking, let me know what's under embargo. I'll put my camera away. Because some people, and, and then some people, they need to, like, like you mentioned, like the international ones, but even domestic, like, media. I have really good access to a lot of the brands. And so, like, I can email someone. In theory, I guess I could call someone, but I hate the phone. But like, if I have a question, I could talk to someone. And I, for me, my approach is I don't really want to start talking about a shoe until I can run in it. Mm -hmm. And so like all this stuff that's early, like it's cool, but like it's not core what I'm interested in. But for other people, they might not get it. Let's say you're like a Brazilian YouTuber or you're a YouTuber from Australia. Even when that shoe comes out, it might not arrive in your country for another four months. But if you want to have content about it, this is your chance. You can talk to the product line manager, have an interview in the can. When that comes out six months from now, boom, it's ready to go and it's relevant. So like I understand like the way that all that works. It's just different than how I work. And so I get frustrated, but like I don't expect the whole industry and convention to change to accommodate me. And it's a different changing world. Like the... Yeah. I mean, I chatted with Ben Johnson on the shakeout before CIM and he's this guy next to us was asking him about, oh, he, he was wearing the Alpha Fly 3s on the shakeout and the guy was like, can you post about that? And he's like, well, you know, I'm in a relationship with them so I can, I just as a whatever, but not at the turkey trot, but this weekend, yes. And I'm like, Ben, my entire explore page is that shoe. Like <laughs> the shoe is everywhere. So like who, you know, what is... I think this thing, my sense is these things yo-yo in terms of like, that makes total sense. And my understanding of why TRE originally started would be like, hey, let's all get together and we'll share some of the stories we're going to tell for the next 12 months, just so 
we can discuss them in person. Um, it can be efficient. It can be, and you can have a sense of the things that are coming down the pipe. But I mean, the thing I wanted to point out, I always used to just be like, this is BS, like launch the shoe, like let us run in it. And then you realize, oh, with all the last couple of years of uh, supply chain, pipeline, all this stuff, you're like, oh, it's no fun when a shoe is out, but it isn't anywhere. So, you know, you know, people sit on stories until like we have the shoe available, actually available, which I have to appreciate, I guess. Now, I'm sure you guys will go take a deeper dive into it with like, you know, the, the running influencer um, podcast that you guys do. But I wouldn't curious as someone who has never gone but like, I feel like, I feel like there's never been a trade show or conference that was more up my alley than this one, considering all of my, all of my interests in and around running. So who would you, not just me, but who would you like recommend go to something like this if they were potentially interested um, in the future, especially considering how much it's changed in recent years, how, you know, how much media is there now compared to how it was say in 2019, or even when Lindsay went and she talked about that on a previous podcast where it was kind of like scant media presence where now it seems to be almost an overflowing media presence. Yeah. For me, like I talk to a lot of other, I guess, media or influencers or people that straddle both. Um, and for a lot of us, it was like, some people were very interested in what the brands had to say. And I'm also, I'm, I'm interested, but like, again, I can get that information other ways. Um, but it's a very kind of efficient way to do it. It's all in one spot. Plus I'm, doing it in a face-to-face -face manner. And so like, for me, like the networking is more important than the information, you know? And so that's why I go, like, I'm not usually uh, a happy hour kind of guy. I mean, I love a beer after a run. Don't get me wrong, but like, I'm not like going out and, and really wanting to like, just do happy hours every day. But there, like when you go to a happy hour, you're going and maybe a brand's hosting it, but it's not like only people from a brand are there everyone goes and so you're just mingling and you're talking i mean basically like my entire inbox is there in per in person you know so like i'm putting mm. faces to names of people that i've that have been sending me shoes or that i've been requesting tech information from or like all sorts of stuff are all there like pr agencies are there uh the media marketing managers are there product managers are there so they're all there and i, I like i know who they are kind of but I, you know, I'm, I'm getting to meet them in face to face, or this might be the one time or two times a year that I get to see them in person. So that's the main reason that I go. So if you're like wanting to work with brands on some sort of level, it's probably, a, it's a, it's a good place to go. And I would think if someone was a borderline or maybe even full-fledged professional runner who's looking to partner with a brand, this brand, this might be also good for them. Like I'm thinking at first, from a media perspective, but then also I was thinking like, Hey, again, say you're someone who, you know, again, just basically a, a professional level athlete who doesn't have a sponsorship or isn't working with brands. It seems like a great opportunity for them as well to, to get the kind of FaceTime that you just talked about that works well for you. Show them your personality a little bit for sure. Um, yeah. I was thinking, Oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I think that like what some, one thing that I did note this year is that I saw a lot more like new pros mm -hmm. at the booths than I have seen in other years. And so like, you know, um, you know, we've seen like Des has been going for a couple of years, but like she doesn't like hang out at the booth. But what I've seen is from some brands, like 
they have some of their pros coming and hanging out at the booth. Um, and also they're knowledgeable about product, or at least they've been coached like in some sort of crash course type of session. So that way they can chat with people that are there. Um, and so like, whether it's retail buyers or media, people like me I have a chance to interact not only with product people, but also the product, I guess, users that, that would be the pros. And so that's wanna... been something new. And I think that's a, a good way. Like if you're a young pro, maybe you don't have a lot of clout or a big long resume yet. A good way, again, to do some some networking, if nothing else, network with potential other brands or network stronger with your own brand. I just want to follow up on that because last year when I was at the North Face booth, um, you know, we talk a lot about like who has influence in this space. And I think a lot of people are entering the space with influence, but there will still be the authentication of the actual best athletes in the world if they do the job that we think they should do, which is like tell the stories all the way through. So when I, you know, went to say hello to my friend who works at the North Face, and then I turned and Zach Miller is standing right there and he's holding their new trail shoe, which is beat to shit and has the time from his latest like UTMB written on it. You're like, yes, we are doing this. We are authenticating for retailers in person, real stuff that, you know, yada yada who who's he what's it on instagram cannot do because like he or she doesn't you know actually go and race the best athletes in the world in these shoes then um i think there's still a need for that i, I we all know that like pro athletes need to do a, a lot to they can't just show up they got to do more but like zach is both wonderful and then he can um it's fun to chat with him about like so how did you approach you know your training to tackle UTMB even better. And it's like, um, that's where you're aligning all those hoops, basically. I like that you just called me yada yada hoozy, what's it? Uh, you know I was referring <laughs> to you. <laughs> Wait, that's he called all of us, basically. Yeah, Shots fired, like Tommy. Shots fired. Yada yada. Yada yada that's, that's, my, that's our private name. Sorry to bring it up. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to meet them, but the Cleckers were there at the on booth. Um, you know, Kiptum was around and that Kiptum was actually was there like, with you. You can, I think. Oh, is that who he was? Well, yeah, yeah. He's also, at, you know, he's also, at yeah, the no, I'm just saying like that, but that, that just kind of goes to the point though, is like, you know, this, like Clacker was actually there, I think, with you can. No, no, you know, like he did a great trifecta. He did on you can, and then he also, he and his wife are sponsored by Jam Bar. Um, oh, wow. so they were nice. serving samples of jam bar. I saw nice. this on social and I was like, if you walk up to jam bar, you might be like, that, that rep looks familiar. Um, like, <laughs> and that's, and that's like, that's a really good, I mean, that's a really good point though. To like to earlier is like, if you do it, cause I don't know like what the registration process is for that. Like, I don't think like anyone can just say like, Hey, I want to go. Um, you can, you got to pay. You can buy a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Well. There goes that. But, you know, but, like if there's if there's like if you are if you are with a brand and they are going to be there and you are a professional runner and you are looking to like create deeper relationships with your brand or branch out to nutrition and other things like that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if the Cleckers met some of their other sponsors in that in those spaces, you know, because they know who you are. And it's like, well, hey, yeah, you're right here. Let's talk about you possibly, you know eating some of our bars, I, you know what I'm saying? I would just say, have your pitch locked down tight because I went, um, Relay had only launched, uh, you know, two and a half months previously last year. And people were like, what do you do? You know, <laughs> they gave me a media pass and I was like, 
well, we're with this new thing on Patreon. Da, 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 da. Um, and I got sharper as I went, but um, it was still like, a, it was a real gut check of like, what are we doing? And I'm like, no, we definitely believe we could do something cool. Um, but people are busy. They ha- they know every moment they're talking to anyone, they're you know sacrificing a chance to talk to someone else. So. Yeah, and I think on the professional side or the the seemingly professional side, even if someone's coming to it from the influence side versus on the elite runner side, there was a great podcast this week on Free Trail where Dylan Bowman talked to Aaron Lutze about this exact thing. And he was talking about TRE in the past as someone who went to pitch versus someone who was being pitched. And like he was going through the stuff like this is how to do it. Like he was going through the best practices. It was a really interesting podcast. So if someone's in there, um, someone's listening to this and they're like, hey, I want to kind of get into that or I'm just really curious about it. I can't recommend that conversation enough. I thought I, how granular, how granular they went mm-hmm. is something that you usually only hear off mic. Mm-hmm. I already sent it to yada yada. Who's he? What's it? Um, and so he and I oh, were chatting Mr. about Sesame. it. He needs to work <laughs> on his game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tommy, I, I listened to it and I mean, Aaron Lutze is awesome guy. He used to work at Red Bull and really pushed the space forward. And I mean, immediately what came to mind for me was Tommy runs pitching with the PR project to, you know, TRE. It's just Aaron saying, don't, he goes through a bunch of like the most common mistakes that kind of emerging pros do, including the most basic, which is just going to a brand and be like, I'm a blank slate. Uh, you tell me what you want to do. Um, and we all know this intuitively from, you know, reverse engineering the examples that are, have been successful, but, uh, I can see why a lot of people are young and eager and they just throw themselves at the wall and it comes off as, it doesn't come off as like probably too needy. It just comes off as bland and like directionless. I'm going to check it out. Who's he? What's it? How's that feel? I'm going to check it out. (laughs) All right. Let's have, we dive into CIM. Because this weekend is another historic day at the California International Marathon, the 40th anniversary of it. Um, Peter was there. Mike was there. I was there. And some incredible athletes were there as well. Um, Certainly the people who won the races ran fantastic. But as is typical for CIM, especially leading into a trials situation, the story is always who was able to do what around the OTQ times. Um, So... It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I was at the finish line, as was Mike. Peter had a pretty unique situation um, and where he was biking the course, course. kind of zigzagging around. Um, I think that the, the finish line situation, I mean, Mike and I can talk about that in a second. But Peter, I'd love to just talk about, like, what was it like to do what you did? Because I don't know anyone who's ever done what you did in terms of, like, kind of having free reign on the course to do what kind of like whatever you want and find your people and to cheer them on as you went, especially considering how well you know this course. So I'd love to hear more about that because it was certainly a unique situation. Hold on. I'd like to jump in here really quickly um, before you answer that, Peter. <laughs> the, the, the description of what – I wasn't there, so I didn't see it. But the way you just described this moment, I, that couldn't be more Peter. And I and I cannot <laughs> wait to hear more about the experience, Peter. And you were probably wearing um, the Betafly prototype six. Well, let me just say we should record this. And if you're hearing this, it means we chose to leave it into the podcast. <laughs> um, how do I say this? How do I get ahead of getting canceled? I broke the rules. Um, I jumped on a bicycle. I know the course like the back of my hand. Um, I got a ride to the start with a bicycle and I basically was just like, F it. I can't not go deep on this day. 
Um, you know, it's like if I go down and if I go down in this ball of flames, then this is the ball of flames I go down in. Um, I had friends out of the start who I knew I just wanted to see and wish good luck. And again, it's not about me, but I was like, this day is too important. Um, so what I did was got a ride to the start with a friend of mine. He was hoping to have a good day, not go for the OTQ. And I just wanted to sort of be with him. We've ridden to a lot of start lines together. And then I, I jumped on the bike and biked the first five and a half miles before the gun went off um, so that I could get the, the road is pretty narrow there. And so I got ahead. Actually, they had announced because of bus snafus that the race was delayed by 10 minutes. So I actually spent my, I biked the first five miles sort of yelling to the fans on the, and the volunteers like, Hey, so, you know, it's 10 minutes delayed. Uh, and everyone's like, Oh, thanks so much. And I was wearing a bright, uh, neon Nike vest. So everyone thought I was working for the race. Um, really the race should have paid you. They should thank you for this. Oh, actually I was over at the start. Um, close to the start and this bus pulls up and is like hey where do i go and i'm like <laughs> don't ask me this is i, I saw mike give him a fist pound um at, at that point i threw my bike in the in a friend's car and we went to mile 11 where the the road divides because the whole goal was like be out on course while staying far away from the runners um and yeah i jumped in going next to some different packs of guys I know. And it's this whole thing. I'm not a great biker. So the longer I would wait in any situation, I'd know I had more biking, like faster, harder riding to catch up, um, which was just like, at one point I turned to a biker. I'm like, this is hard. And he's like, well, don't tell those guys, you know, they're just like hammering OTQ pace. Um, And, you know, OTQ pace is uh, this, you, we've talked about it. Like you can approach breaking any threshold from like, do I want to go ahead of pace, right on pace, slightly behind pace. So you would see a long pack. Um, and Mike and I, uh, Matt and I had talked on other, I think episodes he's going to put out about how this year in particular, it's super cool for those of you listening. I feel like a lot of you listening are starting to come to CIM now that it's gaining so much notoriety. It used to be in 2016, I ran with the 245 pack, and it was like a big pack with a with a blank space in front of it. It was people trying to bring 245 working together. This year, Nick Bear was trying to run 245. Um, he's a pretty famous guy, and he just looked like a dude on the side of like of a huge pack. It was a stream of people. Like it was it was indistinguishable. I was expecting him to kind of have his like maybe a pacer, maybe like a videographer. Like I don't, I wasn't sure. And it just was. There's so many people. And I mean, Mike knows these people from Kafuzi Run Club. There's just so many people like, yeah, I want to run 242. And if you have enough of those people, you end up with just a stream of humans that is continuous. Um, how do I say this right? Like, I love the New York City Marathon, but those some of those paces are almost absent at the New York City Marathon. There's like a couple of guys, a couple of girls. Um, and I mean, that's why Tommy gave me some such a hard time for almost missing him out there. Um, I yelled to, how do you miss me? <laughs> That's like, just, it's just me and like yeah. two other people ahead of me. I had recognized one other guy just before you that you ended up running with. And I was like, Hey man. And then Tommy's like, and it's the most well attended marathon in the world, which to, to your point, like it was like, there's, you know, these, there are any gaps at CIM and, and New York is twice as big. And there's these mm-hmm. huge gaps at those and same pieces. Because people know, like, if you want to run your best, I don't know, like, taken four hours before race time to like ride a ferry and ride a bus mm-hmm. and sit around is 
it's tough. I mean, everyone should do New York a thousand percent. It's just different. So, um, yeah, I was totally geeked out. And then I got to ride next to, I mean, I, uh, I'm still like emotionally processing. I just, I've been going deep on the videos that I shot of my buddy, Chris Maxwell, who he ran two eighteen sixteen, mm. And so I'm able to like, look at the videos I shot of him from, I was hanging back behind him and I'd be yelling to the guys like, you gotta go. Um, and you can see on the little GPS map that it records like where the video was shot. I'm like, oh, so, so the man from Bat City Track Club from Austin, who was the last man in who qualified by a second, my friend is with him with like eight blocks to go. You know, you're like, oh, oh, and, and I mean, that guy kicked like a crazy person. Like he, he, he had speed. Bandit put out a slow-mo video of him just like accelerating in a way that I have personally never been able to do at the end of a race and <laughs> I'm sure everyone would love to but um it was really really wonderful to be out there I wish I'd at one point I had dreams of also going back and watching the women's pack but I realized at some point I just wasn't a strong enough cyclist to catch up and so it was they're just hauling so fast I know Mike has to go in a second he's got a live show he's got the, oh, the yeah, daily sorry. live show so I want to hear Mike's reflections on the finish line before we Peter we can jump back in with you because I know you have a lot of a lot of really good information to share yeah I mean the finish line is pretty intense um because like Peter was saying like the whole day there's no there's certainly certain parts that are you know, more dense than others, but from like 218 to basically 248, 250, it's one giant long pack, right? And so you're used to seeing all these people. And we saw as late as mile 19, the group that I was with, we were driving around, like hopping around the course and, and driving. But then at that point, we had to like race back. We saw the men come through at mile 19. Um, we raced back to the finish line. And then where we ended up parking, Tony, we were following Tony with the Sony around. He parked and he's like, all right, guys, we got to run to get to the finish line in time. So we ended up running probably about like a good, like three quarters of a mile at about threshold pace, which wow. I was not expecting. And I had all my cameras there. So I get to the finish line and I'm just like coughing up a lung because I'm like, I, I wasn't ready. I was not, I was not, I've been sitting in a car for most of the day today, guys. And we're getting there. And like the moment we get there, we hear that CJ Albertson's coming. And as I'm running, I could see the flashing lights like way in the distance behind me. Cause you know, there's that long straight as you're going right by the Hyatt or is it the, whatever the hotel that's right there. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh, they're, they're, I'm, they're going to pass me. I'm going to be like in front of like the lead truck. This, this is terrible. I was able to like cut over fast enough and get into using like my media credentials to get into where all the photographers were. Um, just as like CJ was coming in. So like at that point too, it's just like a frenzy of people finishing. You want to know, did they make it in on time? Um, people are, people were vomiting like crazy at the end of this race. Cause I think it was a little bit warmer than everyone was expecting. So like their nutrition was just a little off. So a lot of vomiting, like blood, sweat, and tears and vomit all at the finish line. <laughs> and um, they had these like towels to give everyone if you had hit the OTQ time, which was like oh, super man. cool to see. And so like everyone had the towels and then you see people cross the line and like they give like three people would across the line, two people got the towel and then like the third person did it. And you're just like, oh my God, that's like just instant like it's the opposite of instant gratification. It's like instant devastation, you know? Um, and then in the <sighs> beginning, the men's and women's finish lines are different. And so like 
right that uh, when the women's OTQ was coming in, there was still a lot of some of my friends were finishing at the same time. So I'm like, okay, where where do I where do I go? I don't know where to look because there's just so much happening all at once. It was um, a, a frenzy in the best kind of way at the finish line. Sounds oh. sound. It looked and sounded like just like the greatest like moments. You know what I mean? Like I I've never been to CIM, but I definitely want to go. I don't even. Like I, I'd like to run it, but I think I'd like to go first just to experience it. But it's special, like right now, though, because you know, because uh, the Olympic trials is soon. You know, like so, it's probably like that every year where it's pretty exciting. But just to have it be the race where you know so many people are going after the OTQ, that's different. You know, yeah, it's it's definitely different at the OTQ times. And I think the one thing that gets missed is think for the same reason that Peter brought up of this huge string of people who are out there hammering at exceptionally fast paces is that when they split the women and men just ahead of the uh, women's OTQ finish, so the men are going to the other side, is that that was an incredible finish line experience. These people are having, for them, the same exact emotions of like this gratification or, oh, my God, I didn't quite get it or whatever. And I had to I had to circle back to my hotel to do a live show with Peter, with Rachel Drake. That's going to come out tomorrow, which was a really fun interview. But I almost was late for the interview because I had to, like, kind of circle around the finish line and then go back past it on the way back to my hotel, just from the situational perspective. And I'm watching these people finish it, like, right around the three-hour mark. And like, oh, yeah. it's the same feeling that I just witnessed at the OTQ times, like the elation, the mm. pushing and like, not, I mean, like the pushing their own body, not each other, but like it's amplified because they're, they're running like three abreast to the finish line. Oh. Like it is a swarm of people and it's like nothing I've ever seen, right? Even if you go to like a fairly popular marathon, like Richmond or something like that, like you just don't see that kind of swarm of people that early in a race come across the finish line you might see it at 3 30 or at four o'clock or four hours but not at three hours i think that like what's be so beautiful about it too is i mean they do have to like kind of like usher people away from the finish lines because you can't have a, a traffic jam right at the finish but i think at this race maybe because of like the uniqueness of like the pace distribution of people that come but like at the otq marks they let the runners stick around and cheer the other people that were working with them in. So there's like, it's like you, you run into a group hug, right? And then even for them, the people that are looking to break 245, they're all hanging out at the finish waiting. The people at sub three, there's a huge group of people waiting to welcome everyone else in, you know, and like other races where, you know, there's a lot of people going for sub three. I'll say that because that's a situation I'm more familiar with. There's usually some people that are there because a lot of people are kind of working together and we were all standing in the corrals together, but like there isn't like a, a welcome committee oh. of the other racers like there is at CIM. And that's what makes it just really unique and so much fun to watch. See you later guys. Thanks. He ended that with his, like with his live, sh with his live <laughs> show voice. Hey, what's going on guys? Hey, Tell right, me, this what we got to experience. We, we actually put out the episode yesterday on relay was him doing that at a live show. It was yeah. exhilarating. He was like yeah, yelling like... into the mic. Like he was like, of the full embodiment of it it was like oh my oh, god man. he actually says he like screamed it into the mic and he goes wow that was way louder than i thought it was gonna be <laughs> <laughs> he did such a good job it was like oh yeah we are here um, man i wish i saw i saw i saw pictures and stuff of that and videos i'm like i had fomo big time even though i was like doing something that was that was cool too um i definitely had fomo for sure oh i got Tommy, to, go to you... i got to go to orlando after that yeah 
Palace Ranch. I mean, and you experienced this in different cities, but, um, you know, CMs, I, I will actually want to make, I'm pretty de- committed to making like relay, like runner nerd uh, hats. Cause I'm like, yeah, we're all runner nerds. Like, this is great. Yeah. Um, like, I was standing there waiting to sit down with Mike and Matt at this couch, and this man, he's like, you know, 40s, he, maybe 50. He, he has a high school a boy next to him, and he goes, Hey, Peter, my son is telling me, like, you're just a dude. You don't have to, Dad, don't be nervous to just go say what's up to him. Um, and I turn around, I'm like, Yeah, like, I'm just a dude. Like, where are you from? And, you know, they're from Canada. They're really nice people. And the son's like, You guys are all nerds. Like, I'm into basketball. <laughs> and I'm like, I love this kid. Um, but like, just so many great interactions with people who they know they need to start putting their feet up but like they they want to be in the expo even yeah. though they have their bib because they just like want to bump into this person or say hi to that person or you know they, yeah. they obviously would love to ha- have a moment with mike if possible um but it's, it's really fun energy yeah i i love the expo on saturday at cim like I've, I've said this many times i said it at the expo itself it's like it does feel like kind of a cross between a family reunion or a high school reunion because you end up knowing like a pretty good amount of people that like, you may have interacted with on Instagram and things like that, or just like in your different running sub communities, whether it's the Kafuzi Run Club or, or maybe it's Believe in the Run with Grit and stuff like that. Like there's just a lot of people around, and the people who are attracted to CIM, especially if they're out of towners, all seem to have a lot of similarities in terms of like how they approach the sport. So oh, yeah. again, so it really does. It really just feel like, hey, I can talk to anybody here and have like a really fun conversation because there's so so much that binds everyone who's there, especially if like they are inclined to li- to linger at the expo for that right. exact reason. And across the whole weekend, I don't know about you, like you're you're at a restaurant and you turn and the guy's got you know a woman will have a Honolulu marathon. You're like, oh really? Like tell me what's up? How's that? Um, and she'll be like, oh yeah, you know, da da da. Like I've done these conversations where you can just really get that authentic runner experience from all over the world that's in a really cool way. And it's tough because like we talked about this on the last episode of like, all right, how do you manage like the, in taking in the whole experience versus the, all right, I want to go out and get, have my best race possible in CIM is hard like New York can be hard because like you're just walking around and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a very different thing where CIM is difficult. Is that like, like we just mentioned, you just want to go talk to everybody. And so many people are there. So you might not be like doing a lot of walking. You might not be doing any walking. You, were, you might be staying at the Hyatt directly across the street from the expo and really go nowhere else. But you just want to be there, right? Yeah. And just seeing all of these people. And there's like 10,000 shakeouts, again, all right there. So it's like the hard part is that like it's hard to stay in your hotel room. I mean, I experienced this my own, myself when I ran CIM. Like yeah. I knew I had to get off my feet. Oh, yeah. But I'm like. I can look at my window and be like, they're right there. Everyone's right out there, out there on the street. Like, I want to go out there instead. And I remember being like, again, I didn't have visions of glory with my own marathon there. I was, I went in completely unprepared. But I could see how somebody would be conflicted about yeah. right, how am I going to handle this situation. It's 2 o'clock yeah. on Saturday, and I got a lot of choices here. And that's what we're going to try to think about in 2024, like, you know, leading up to Boston as just one example of like, how do we bring people together? How do we give everyone a chance to chat and get to know each other without it being too much of an energy drain? Um, You know, probably aim for a set on a Monday race. You have the advantage, like aim for a Saturday. uh, Maybe like, yeah, for sure. Put yourself out. Yeah. Monday races are nice like that. Oh man. Such an exciting weekend. Um, And then 
yeah, the only I wanted to just finish talking about like the women's uh, OTQ pack was just enormous from my understanding. I, I saw it super early, then I saw it, I heard about it in the middle. And by the end, it's like that, that time to 3700 is aggressive enough that uh, a lot of people fell off. Um, it was weird. It was almost hard to pick out the women who were running well because there were so many men who were in that zone. I think it just usually is like on, again, the, the front of most major races are thinner. So you're like, that woman is flying and I can see her coming. Um, in this case, you would just see like a slightly shorter person on average, like weaving in and out of uh, a pack. And you're like, oh, that that's a woman who's just like still hammering. There's an interesting thing of like, you get more guys who are fading. Let's say a guy who's tried to run 235 and he's fading to a 238. And just there's this like smaller yeah. person just like flying through the pack and well if you're looking at like where i was standing was like right next to all the cameras so someone thinking about like the cameras view of the women's otq finish line like i was standing in that spot hmm. and so you're looking down the street so about 75 meters and then there's the turn so people kind of take the left hand turn and then they turn towards you and come down the street but as you're looking down the road that's exactly where people have been like the men and the women have been uh divided so when you're looking down the street from my perspective all of a sudden you're just like Oh, I see a head. So you're not sure. <laughs> like, yeah. often you just see a lot of people, and then some of them are going straight, and some of them are taking a left. So you're constantly like, "Here they come!" Oh no, hold on a second. Oh, here. They oh no, yeah. hold on a second. Right? Like, <laughs> it was like this awkward moment of like trying to decide who's taking the left and who's going straight because there was so many men finishing around that time. Like, I'm looking at, like the Providence Marathon near me again. Providence is a you know a fairly major city. It's a state capital, right? There's people around here, but like 235 like wins the men's race. Yeah. At CIM, there was like dozens of people coming through on the men's side. Like, this is hysterical how fast this is. Um, I got to get out there. You know, Tommy, obviously, you were doing your own thing. You were in Orlando. You had, you know, doing stuff for Puma there. You were running as well. Was there a certain oh, yeah. person or storyline that you, in the midst of all of that, you were trying to keep track of? Because I know, I mean, you're, you're a huge, I mean, you're a running nerd, right? This is now becoming our mantra. Um, what were you trying <sighs> to keep abreast of? Um, for CIM? Yeah. So yeah, I didn't I didn't necessarily have um actually didn't have like my my like antennas on it so much because of the because of TRE like just before I kind of like any other time I would have been like I would have had three four people I was looking for but I really just kind of like tapped into what you guys were doing um and then also just uh, kind of seeing some of the videos of people that did get their OTQs um it it, it I wasn't like fully tapped in because I had a lot going on but I yeah. know I'm like I'm just. And it, the funny part was I was in Orlando to kind of like preview the Olympic trials course. So it was like, it was almost like weird seeing what was happening in um, Sacramento, like in being in the spot they're trying to get to, like at the same exact oh, time. Oh, that's a good you point. Know? So oh, it was yeah, a, sure. yeah, it was, Wait, a, it was kind I, of a strange perspective. I had a question. So there's been so much buildup about like, what's the weather going to be? And obviously it's in eight Yo. and a half weeks. But like, what was, we're going to be there early february this is early december what was yeah. it like running in orlando yo race started at 7 15 a.m okay it was 72 degrees 98 percent humidity at the start sun was already up obviously 45 <laughs> minutes into the race 45 minutes into the race i'm not even sure what the time i mean when we finished the race when i finished the race i think i finished in the hour 30 um it was like it had to be 78 and for people oh. who are trying to do the math at home, 
when Tommy finished the race would still be before the 10 o'clock start. For the, for the yeah, Olympic if you're trying to do the math. And talking to the people there, though, like, um, number one, it, just like, I guess, every, in every, everywhere in the United States, number one, like, February is always going to be the colder month of in, in any state. That's exactly you know, like, right. it's just, it's straight up going to be, it's, it would have to be some, it, it would, it would be more difficult, more of a, it's more realistic for New York to be hot again in November than it is for Florida to be 70 something in February. And I've had a bunch of people in the Realme Runner podcast who are part of Track Shack. And I asked them the yeah. same question, like February 3rd, what is your expectation? They're like, obviously it's a range, but it's not going to be, unless it's a completely abnormal, it's not going to be hot. Of course, for them, hot is a relative term. Yeah. We were at California International Marathon. It was 62 degrees and sunny and people were affected. Yeah. And that was part of the reason why the women's ODQ group was smaller in terms of people who qualified than the men's because they were out there for 25 minutes longer than the oh, men yeah. were at the point when the weather changed. So the mm -hmm. weather went from low 50s to low 60s and the sun came out. So the longer you were on course, the more you were affected by the weather as it changed. And um, anyway, I don't want to like go too deep on the weather. Did but I tell it was, you that we're I... Sitting there like, oh, my gosh, like this is affecting people. For those of you listening who listened to the interview with Jeff Cunningham, um, the coach out of Austin from Bat City, I was biking furiously at mile 14 and I see him like screaming at his athletes and I slam on the brakes almost in a way I almost like went over the handlebars. I <laughs> come back and I'm like, like, give him a hug and I'm like, oh man. And he goes, oh man, this is about to get real. Like, because he pointed to the sun and the sun had broken through the clouds. And so the men are not only is it heating up with solar radiation, like they're facing, they're going south and they're facing the sun. So the sun is, and you notice like at CIM, a lot of athletes don't, they won't wear a hat. They won't wear sunglasses. Cause like it starts before it's, it's December. Like it's not a, that thing, but then over halfway through, you really would want anything to keep yourself perceiving it to be cooler than it is. And because yeah. once that sun came out, I was like, this is going to get rough. Yeah, and then and then the, the thanks to Track Shack um, and uh, USATF, I think um, the the Monday that I was leaving, I left like in the afternoons. So uh, they invited the elites or the or the competitors to come down and preview the eight mile loop of the course. Because um, oh, so it's a nice. it's a two mile loop, and then they go into three eight mile loops. So I think it's pretty standard. I think it's kind of like pretty much what happened in in Atlanta too. Pretty you know the same thing mm -hmm, kind of, mm -hmm. um, but. So I got to like watch the uh, a bunch of maybe maybe only thirty people showed up. Um, I got I got to watch some of the pros do this like slow jog. They weren't racing it. It was just like to try to keep them at, keep them at a steady pace, just so that people can kind of get an idea of like what the what this big eight mile loop is like. Um, and I got, kind of talked to a couple of them after, including uh, Kira D'Amato, and it's they they weren't. No one was like, oh my gosh, it's hot today because they it was maybe seventy five when they did this. You know, did this run. Um, and no one was worried about like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so hot in February. It's just, they understand it's Florida. It's going to be hot until, you know, the end of the year, pretty much. And it's going to have yeah. its slow, lower time. So I think it'll be fine, man. So tell us about the course. What were you able to get from information on that? Uh, the course I need to is, know, cause I, you know, I plan on running the trial, so I need to make sure that I'm well aligned and have so my listen, race strategy so, all so dialed listen, in. So listen here. Um, so like we, we drove the course. I didn't run the course. So we, we drove the course the day before with, uh, you know, thanks to track shack. Um, and it, it, there's a lot of, there's a bunch of straightaways, there's quite a few turns, but 
you get a good straightaway after each turn. There's not there's not too many points where it's like a zigzag like through a neighborhood really. Um there is one sharp uh U-turn. Um oh. kind of just like Atlanta. Um but it's it's in a spot that's it does it wouldn't like affect like the end end of a race. There is you know what I mean? It's not like a, it's not like a hard turn and somebody breaks away from the pack. Like it's you still would have I think maybe 4 miles or so before you're you're coming home anyway. So uh, it looks like a nice course, super, pretty flat. They went well out their way because Orlando apparently loves brick roads. They went out of their way in a major way to skip, to miss any brick brick or cobblestone. I think there's yeah. only a, a certain portion of it that's like 30 meters, I think, and it's just on a turn. Um, they don't have to worry went, about is, snow plowing, Tommy. I mean, they can't do yeah, brick yeah. roads where we live. Snow plows eat that stuff true. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think about that. Um, but Atlanta but yeah. had potholes where people went down, and it, yeah, it yeah, so problematic. Well, so so I mean, but it's like one a few of the runners were actually saying like that they were super surprised that they were able to not to to leave out as much brick as they did because there's so much brick so many brick sections in um, like even when we ran the half marathon and it is not was not the part of the is not the course you ran some of the course. Um, just because you're starting in the same little area, but so much of the Orlando half marathon is on the brick roads, which is, which gets a little dicey. Um, mm -hmm. but they skipped all that for the, for them. So that was nice. So, to, nice to see. so what race would you compare it to from a course perspective? Obviously most, you know, you're not going to find many races that have three, eight mile loops, mm -hmm. but you know, in terms of like, you've been to a lot of races, I was thinking maybe, maybe monumental or Chicago that had maybe similar you know, turns than long straights I feel like or Chicago. lack of elevation feel, gain or things like that. I feel like Chicago would probably be the one. Um, Cause Chicago seems like in, it doesn't, Chicago doesn't seem like as sprawling of a, of a marathon. Like it, it seems like it stays pretty close to the, to the area, I guess. Um, even though it's 26 miles. So I think Chicago, because you do have a few turns, but then you get these nice like straightaways that are just flat as ever. Um, because a couple of points you're like you're running like on the service drive of a highway, um, which is probably going to be really nice for them because it's like straight out. You know, you'll be able to see who's ahead of you and all that stuff. So I think it'll be a fun, and it's going to be great for spectators. Great for spectators cool. because there's gonna, there's a bunch of spots where they're going to have big fan sections, um, and I don't remember them having much of that in Atlanta, and maybe I just wasn't like privy to it. What, but what's a fan section? Like they're going to have like a fan zone where like it's okay. going to be this huge uh, I, I can't remember the name of the building but there's this one building that has this huge front like front area mm. like grassy area um that would probably be you know like they're going to have like food trucks and and huh. a bunch of stuff so it'll be this big zone where there's just going to be a ton of fans they're going to have in one spot is they're going to have bleachers and this other area they're going to have like bleachers and all that stuff so people can like really watch it um it sounded like I kind of envisioned it like those um like those Grand Prix type races where you just kind of like they they make sure that there's fans in weird spots because it yeah. it could get quiet you know like if you're you know people are gonna try to be at the end you know a lot so they're trying yeah. to like make yeah. sure people are in the parts of like this eight mile loop that like that would get really quiet so um, I'm really excited like the way the they to be number one to be involved in seeing it ahead of time was really cool but then just to see like it's gonna be a party <laughs> it's gonna be a party down there for sure awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait to set up what we're going to be doing down there. It, it doesn't feel like it's eight weeks away. It feels like it's like a, so much longer away, but mm -hmm. it's coming and it's coming up 
fast and it feels yeah. like we're going to be a month out like in in like 10 minutes like i feel yeah. like that's what's going to end up happening like Absolutely. all of a sudden january 3rd we're going to be like wait what we're four weeks away from the trials like this is insane that's legit. shout legit. out to the pros who are all like um i mean we heard from a lot of that a lot of pros are being required to like stay with their coaching and training facility over the holidays. Cause they're just like, yeah, you can't be flying around the country, maybe picking up an illness six weeks out from the trials if you really want to have your best shot. So it's going to no, be sh pretty shout out, to, shout out to the people that just qualified like this weekend and that are going to like turn around and recover and try to get a really good session in, or, you know, a good small quick yeah. training block in. Right. I mean, a lot of the people who qualify this weekend, obviously the trials is the goal. But there's probably a couple who have like, hey, maybe maybe being on the podium like is way too moonshot to be the goal. But they're also not like the I'm just happy to be here types. Right. I like, think it's, right, like, it's like I hear this about Boston. People say, I'm so happy to qualify for Boston. I don't want to essentially they go, should I race it or run it for fun? And I'm like, what do you mean you're going to do you mean just like truly jog it? And they're like and really they're like, no, no, no. And what they mean is like, if they truly aspire to maximize the most out of it, they worry that like, what if they blow up? And then their first Boston experience is a total blow up. And um, I'll just say like, as someone who did not run at the trials, but thought about it a lot, I was ready to go there and try to roll some guys. I was going to be like, because when other, what other chance in life do you get to be like, I finished 198, I, I cracked top 200, you know, like, um, mm -hmm. and I'm not a particularly competitive person person but i was like i feel like if i get there i could outperform you know i was essentially gonna be the slowest guy to get in and i was like i'm gonna beat some guys um man says so let, man me, let me get says, this straight i'm not the most competitive person says the guy who then would have been running his third marathon in three months all of which he was like giving like 150 percent effort on i think competition we should have discussed it at greater length <laughs> competition takes many forms i'm not like very good at board games i'm not gonna like Try oh to beat you the foosball, but like I'm no. gonna go as hard what as I about, can. What about like ten words before that dude says I was getting ready to roll some guys, <laughs> and, and then says I'm not very competitive or anything. I'm like wait, what? All right, I'm about to like flip my desk. I'm ready to go. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, last it. weekend, last last weekend was great for running in general. There's so much going on. Tre. CIM. Oh, so fun. Know, the, no the, question about the, it. All right. We're going to have to figure out what we're going to be doing in December for all this content because we know what hasn't happened in January. We're going to have yeah, yeah. the women's OTQ draft. We'll have the men's oh. OTQ draft. We'll do mm. the week before. We're going to do like prep. Like, hey, where are we going to be? What are we looking for? Like, you know, are we going to be in the fan zone? Are they going to be fans in the fan zone? Like physical fans? I'm probably going to be pretty hot. Like we're going to have like, you know, racing fans. I'm so excited for all the January content, the December content. Maybe we'll do some like year in review type stuff which could also be you know kind of fun um but yeah if you have any stuff like on. suggestions on who we should speak of i feel like we should do a little bit of like bring some people on to uh celebrate yeah the great yeah. stuff that's happened this past year for sure for sure i think some coaches too i think we'll probably really i know obviously a lot of the athletes are going to be very focused on the trials getting athlete interviews over the next six weeks is going to be dicey you're trying to talk to a professional athlete because they're going to be super focused and as they should be um but coaches man they're excited just like we are so maybe we'll get yeah. some coaches on here too tommy peter thank you so much for for you know being here i almost said coming on like i'm talking about the rambling runner thanks for, for being here today everyone who's listening please share the show with your running friends go on 
follow us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, rate and view the show. But most importantly, if you have any suggestions for stuff you want us to cover, please don't hesitate to reach out over on Instagram. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Peace out.